0: everyone welcome back to another episode of disorderly dogs the podcast i have one of my wonderful colleagues with me tonight and we are going to talk about changing the status quo in the dog training industry so before i let my guest introduce herself i want to just give her a shout out because i like many of you probably follow her on instagram at the paid pup and she has been very vocal about um her desires to see the industry change and to work against a lot of harm that's happening in the dog training industry and I feel exactly the same way and I have a lot of respect for how she shows up and she uses her platform so we're going to expand that conversation in the podcast tonight so Michelle without further ado will you introduce yourself to the listeners tell them a little bit more about you how you help people and then please we need to know about your dogs too
1: <laughs> hello, hello everybody. Um so I'm Michelle Reindall. My um certs are a uh, CPDT-KA and then a uh, family dog mediator. And I work with people generally one-on-one um doing individualized behavior plans uh doing bat, doing all kinds of different stuff. So um, that's a little bit about what I do. And let's see. Oof. My dogs. Well, um, sadly, they're both dearly departed. <laughs> um, but they're, it's worth mentioning that my guy Banjo is – Basically, the one who got me into this passion and the paid pup is really his legacy. So, he taught me all about consent and he taught me all about unrealistic expectations people have on dogs who have big feelings. And he is really the guy who got me into everything. And then, my little miss Mia, uh, so. Real quick, because y'all need to get a picture idea of what these adorable dogs look like. Banjo was a Manchester Terrier Chihuahua mix, about 20 pounds, big giant bat ears, very cute guy. And then um Miss Mia was a little 10-pound Chihuahua, and I just lost her December 28th. Still hardcore grieving that girl. Oh. And she was just pure love and oh, her soul is just full of wisdom and got me through a, a pivotal time in my life. So um, there's those two. And then I have a foster dog right now um, that I kind of took on last minute. And her name is Gigi and she's a little chihuahua and she's lovely. And we're working on confidence and, you know, telling her she's safe and that she can actually like you know, put her nose into pieces of paper to get food and stuff like that. Cause she I don't think has ever done that. So so anyway, so that's that's the situation with my dogs currently. Oh my God. Okay. And... So
0: I'm so glad that we were able to talk about this first because I think everyone, before we get into this conversation, those of you who are not a part of the dog training industry. You're not going to understand as much, right? Like, I think it's still going to be really informative and good perspective for you. But I think that being a professional trainer who has been gifted with the wisdom of a lot of really good fucking dogs, it, yes. it is the driver, right? Because we mm-hmm. see, we see what can be accomplished when we choose to train the way that we train. And it's not just, the dog benefiting, right? Like we are greatly benefiting from this too, and I think that that just goes against the old school model of dog training that it's all about the the, the dog has to obey the human. We have to do these things, and how that actually sounds like cool on the surface, except for it's not. It's really fucked up, and it creates really unhealthy power dynamics and a lot of animals suffer at the hands of that but also humans, okay? Like that is not a healthy way for you to like interact with other living breathing creatures either.
1: Oh, not at all. And I mean I'll start off by saying that actually I think that if if humans are doing things the best way they can, they're actually learning from the dogs and not the other way around because I really truly think that dogs can teach us all of the greatest lessons in life really but you know you have to have a certain mindset to be open to that and you know uh a mindset of subservience and power and control is is never gonna never gonna get you there because you know there's this there's just not an openness to understanding the other being's way of life or understanding the species as a whole. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite bananas, um, actually. So, so yeah, I'm, we're, we got lots to talk
0: about on this topic. Oh my God. Okay. So let's start with the biggest problem in the dog training industry is that not only is it built on power struggles and punishment, but it's also, and continues to be its entire existence unregulated. Oh, yes. Completely unregulated. Okay. So everyone listening, I just, I, I this is, it, it's something that like, I, it sounds like, oh, it's unregulated. That seems kind of crazy. Like we don't want everything to be regulated except for when we look at other industries and professions that are regulated, that do have governing bodies, right? Like, but dog mm-hmm. training doesn't. How, how is this even possible? It's,
1: it, I mean, it's wild. And I think. It's interesting because I was reading something about how, you know, dog training is lumped in with these other unregulated industries like, you know, nutritionists or like life coaches or something like that. And I'm like, but the difference is that we're like directly working with these vulnerable beings who, I mean, it's like saying... You know, uh, preschool teachers don't need to have any sort of qualifications. They don't need to know children develop, like child development. They're just gonna go let someone loose in a classroom with a bunch of children and hope for the best. I mean, which, you know, at worst is abusive type stuff. At best is like, eh you know, I guess that's fine. That person ended up being fine, but we're lucky that they ended up being fine, right? I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's completely wild that we don't have any regulation. And it's also wild (laughs) that even though the greatest minds, I would say, in this field and And the scholars in this field have been spreading this information of, like, force-free, positive reinforcement, this is, you know, more effective, and the dogs feel safe, and all this stuff for so many, so many years, yet the public still remains fairly misinformed, and Also, these trainers who are still using these really outdated, horrific methods are getting promoted on television and like in these big magazine articles. And it's, it is truly a maddening feeling to professionals that are ethical and really care about the welfare of
0: dogs. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate that the general dog public is more informed and influenced about dog training through pop culture than they are through professionals who are qualified, credentialed in the field, right? Not to mention decades of conclusive data, right? Like decades and decades of conclusive data, right? Like even that aside, right? That like, pop culture's idea of dog training is still the dog whisperer it's still look what we made this dog do instead of asking more relevant questions right like it is maddening is the perfect way to put it right and like some weeks i'll have these weeks where like i have new clients And they found like Zach George on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, hallelujah. I don't have to unexplain things that you've learned, right? And then I feel optimistic and I'm like, okay, you know, we're getting there. And then I have other weeks, right? Where a trainer showed up in a puppy's home, a baby puppy, 10 weeks old, and said that using a penny can to shake at the puppy was the best way to prevent puppy biting.
1: And then Uh I'm just like,
0: we aren't there. We aren't, right? Because there's still a, a, t- a tiny puppy who's being punished really harshly for displaying normal puppy behavior. And then, you know, and then I'm maddened all over again. And it's like, I, you know, I don't want to be mad, but I have to be because if I want to continue to be a professional and push this industry forward, I got to keep saying something about it. If not, we can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend that like everything is just going to be fine here.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and for a little 10 week old puppy to have that sort of harsh, you know, punishment for doing something that is natural, dogs explore with their mouths, all that stuff is, it really does create trauma. And, you know, and that dog, they have, you know, who knows what, hopefully, I mean, it sounds like they found you, thank goodness. Yeah. But gosh, I mean, the amount of, Dogs actually being traumatized while their guardians, who are none the wiser, are paying thousands of dollars. And that, too, is, oh, it's, it just, it's just, again, it's just maddening. And, and I do exactly what you said with the, uh, we can't just sweep it under the rug. And I, and I am finding myself, um, something that I learned actually last year was to not really hold people, trainers, big name trainers in the industry on a pedestal because, you know, I think we can take, take courses and stuff like that and take the bits and pieces that we, that work for us You know, and sort of have our own style. But I've been seeing with, you know, a few people that I was very, very excited about in the beginning who are these big names and have got books and courses and all this stuff who are are staying silent on this and who are preaching this, you know, open-minded and and building bridges and why can't we all just get along? And it's just so, that is just so, I personally think irresponsible for so many reasons. You know, I think for one, we're legitimizing these people whose Education is a YouTube video of Caesar Milan, or you know, something they picked up from pop culture, or the you know the TikTok trainer who is big and manly and you know gets results quick and you know and it's just I think that staying silent and saying that we need to all just get along is just so wrong because it, it's sort of, you know, it ignores the injustice that's happening to dogs, to be honest. And I think that it, it, it comes from a a bit of, a bit of a place that is maintaining status quo and whether that's about money, about, you know, having their courses being purchased by, everyone or whatever whatever it is um i i don't i don't like it and i'm always always going to be speaking out about these things because we need to
0: right so everyone i think that it's really important for all of you to understand that while it may seem on the surface in 30 second instagram clips that dogs are happy and they're Needs are being met and everything is fine. What you don't understand is that the long term consequences of continued aversive stimulus create literal chemical imbalances and it can create a whole host of really horrible things for an animal, right? They're enduring a lot. And meanwhile, humans who are significantly smarter, right? We have money, we have opposable thumbs, we have language, we have all this privilege and power. And instead of acknowledging that and being like, how can we compassionately interact with this species? We chalk it up to, well, it doesn't really hurt them, right? They're really not in that much pain, right? There's no other way to do this. And it's, it's inexcusable, right? Because there is, there always is, there's always a kinder way There's always a a gentler way. And as we alluded to before, there is decades of peer-reviewed data to back all of this up. But I don't want to dive into that because we already know that's here, right? Like, I think that it's this conversation is so much about, like, pop culture and social media and how we're all so easily swayed by these things. And we give, you know, these, like, egocentric for the most part, male trainers, this huge platform. And we think like, oh yeah, that's what we have to do. Instead of asking ourselves the question of like, what's actually happening to the dog here? Instead of stroking our own egos to assert power, that's easy. Asserting power over dogs is easy, okay? Mm -hmm. And anyone could do that. Anyone could do that, right? But I think that what we and so many of our colleagues are continuing to fight for in the industry is that that is not okay, right? Like it is never okay to charge people money and give them quick fixes that compromise animal welfare.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and I see like going back a little bit to an example of this because, you know, I see it, I see it a lot in, in, in my practice where people, you know, one case in particular, um, This was a family and they had adopted three dogs from um, different litters, but from the same rescue around the same time. And they were young. I mean, I would say definitely in their socialization window, but I would say maybe like two months old or something. And they, friend of a friend had, you know, had uh, recommended this trainer. And this trainer actually is a woman. She, So there are women that do this. Um, a woman that came to their house and brought her own dogs and said, oh, this is how your dogs are going to learn. We're going to just put them all together and my dogs are going to teach your dogs. And so her dogs attacked <laughs> one of the dogs. So that dog has trauma that we've been working on for quite some time. And that's not all. The other two dogs and and the one that was attacked, uh, she yanked them all around on a slip lead, um, just around in a circle. <laughs> and all three of these dogs have trauma, lasting trauma. I mean, they're now five years old or so. And I've worked with all of them. I've worked with all of them. And it's really, it's really sad for so many reasons. For the dog's welfare, obviously, and for the lasting trauma. But the humans, when I connected with the woman who, um, whose dog was attacked, she was just so, so, oh, what's the word? Just so saddened that that she was so misled and so misinformed and and this person is so kind and so she would have never done that like you know I think people have this um thing where they're afraid to stand up to what they perceive is authority you know and if the trainer is saying something and someone's gut feeling is telling them this seems really Aggressive and really, um, violent to do to a puppy. Um, but they don't necessarily speak up. And I get that because people, you know, the people that are spreading a lot of this misinformation and abusing dogs in the name of training, um, tend to be quite, uh, ego forward, a little bit, uh, defensive. And at least in my experience, Um, and so, so yeah, there, there are just so many, so many angles to why this needs to be stopped. And yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And you know, it's like, okay. So I think that something that I think commonly comes up, like, especially in like social media debates over this stuff, right. Is like. Okay, well, like if we're only ever using an aversive stimulus under certain conditions, is it really that bad? Is it really creating that long lasting of damage? And I think that that it negates the standard of the industry. Okay, like if you are a dog guardian, you're not a professional trainer and you think, hey, maybe I'm going to use the e-collar for off leash and you're doing that. That's not the conversation we're having. Okay. That's you. That's your dog. You get to decide what to do there. The conversation we're having here is about professional dog trainers, or they, they sell themselves. They say that they're professional dog trainers and they repeatedly without using other skills, without using least invasive, mentally aversive strategies first, they're just jumping to punishment right away. Let's use aversive stimulus. Let's do it quick. Let's do it early on. And especially these young dogs, right? Especially these young puppies. You want to know how to create behavior problems, be aggressive and cruel and unkind to a puppy and do it repeatedly and do it consistently, right? That's how you create behavior problems. You teach a puppy Uh that you are unsafe. People cannot be trusted and you are not safe to behave in a way that feels normal to you. Right. And it's, it's, Puppies obviously are, like, the most heartbreaking to me in this whole debate, right? But I think that especially these dogs who suffer from mental disorders, right? Like, we're talking about really intense anxieties. We're talking about really intense fears, right, that sometimes lead to aggressive behaviors. Everyone, that is spicy. She is demanding (laughs) that I open the door for her. Oh, spicy! (laughs) But... Um, you know, it's, it's doing so much damage on both ends of the spectrum. And I think sometimes in the middle of the spectrum, we have dogs that are well-balanced. They don't really have behavior problems and Mm -hmm. using aversive stimulus isn't going to be as costly. Should we avoid it still? Of course we should, but it's not going to be as costly, but when we look at these young puppies and dogs who have like significant behavior challenges and or mental problems, that's when it's like the welfare is it's compromised without bail. Even just putting an aversive stimulus on a fear ag- reactive or fear aggressive dog, that's compromising welfare.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it, it it's just baffling to me. It's the it's like let's meet fear with you know essentially physical punishment and violence, really, you know, and it's like, like, when does that help? When does that help? It just doesn't. And going back, it's very important to say this conversation is very much around professionals, because, you know, I absolutely do not judge nor fault any Any pet guardian who has been led astray, who has read something from Google, who has seen a TV show and is trying to do the best they can. Um, We take issue with professionals who absolutely know that there's a better way and know that science is on the side of force-free. And, you know... I will even say, let's set science aside. Like what you were saying early, set science aside. We're simply asking you to be kind to dogs. I mean, it's really, it's, I don't know why that's so complicated.
0: And, and controversial. you yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, right. I know. Or like, or it's extreme for us to say, hey, you know, I mean, this co- this conversation we're having right now, I'm wondering if child therapists or child or, like, teachers of young children had these conversations however many years ago. Because, you know, we know now that it's considered a pretty bad thing to hit your kids. Though there are still going to be people who do it, and there's still going to be people. But we can agree across the board. And, you know, that it's not... Good. It's not a good thing. But yet, there's still with dogs, it's somehow different. It's somehow they're, they're testing me or they're being stubborn and I got to show them who's boss, you know, and it's these old narratives that creep back in, you know, and, and I really do fault Nat Geo and the dog whisperer a lot because I really, I'm not sure who was perpetuating these to such a degree to the public before. I think that was the first really, really public information about dogs. I think,
0: um, right. That I think had a really, really broad audience, right? Yeah. And you know, it's like sometimes I'll be talking to my clients and they'll bring up something about Cesar Milan and, you know, I'll just make a, a quick statement about how like he is not a trusted professional and people are flabbergasted. so they're like seriously
1: seriously because he still has shows on air I mean it just it really blows my mind too so another little fun fact about me is that I actually I worked in um production for 13 years here in the Seattle area so I actually I worked in um kind of reality TV on docudramas and and I I can and I wrote about this a little bit on on Instagram a long time ago, but you know, I I have witnessed how TV shows work, how they're run, how, you know, what their biggest, you know, values are essentially when they're making the show. And it certainly isn't the welfare of the, you know, the thing that they're attempting to make better or fix or whatever. Rehab. I, oh
0: my God, please. Could that be oh bad? My God, I, We're not rehabbing yeah. dogs.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I Like I can't, I, I'm to the point where <laughs> this is, and this is like, it's just going to tell you a little bit about what I can and can't endure, but I re I actively avoid any show's with dogs in them, um, any, just because again, when you are a professional who knows the language of dogs and can read them and can see if they're feeling uncomfortable and all of that, there's no going back. And so the things that you're flooded with on social media, on TV, uh, whatever, even if it's on like a, you know, uh, narrative TV show. Like even then you would assume that there's trainers on set, but sometimes I'm like, that dog is so uncomfortable and I can't watch. So it, yeah, (laughs) I'm going off on a tangent
0: there, but no. And I think that you bring up a really good point, right? Because I think that while I think with the spread of social media, rescuing dogs, dogs being family members, dogs having being sentient creatures and having emotions. I think that that is broadened the general public sense of animal welfare. But I mm. think that there's still, there's still this dogs are a commodity. they are yeah. commodity that we need to do what we need to do so that our commodity is under control, right? Like, And I think that even well-meaning dog guardians who love their dogs, they still fall victim to this because of professional, quote unquote, professional dog trainers who tell Mm -hmm. them that this is the only way, this is what you have to do, right? You have to be alpha. You have to show them who is boss. And like, I could cry thinking about how much time is wasted, Short, Mm -hmm. a short amount of time in our dog's lives is wasted- thinking that we have to control them make these do these things they're trying to like they have ulterior motives like I just want to grieve for all of the relationships that didn't get to be what they could be because fucking dog training permeated that relationship yeah like dog training is supposed to improve relationships dog training is supposed to empower the dog and the guardian to communicate and live really good lives together that they get to enjoy but instead people instead of just being unencumbered and joyful and loving their dogs now they have to shift how they interact with their dogs because they paid a trainer to tell them that they had to right and like you know i'm sure that you have gobs and gobs of stories of this too right but like i work with so many good fucking people good people who care so much about their dogs and felt like doing, investing in the board and train investing in all of those private sessions was like what they needed to do for their dogs. And instead they're out a lot of money and their dog's behavior problems are not controlled, fixed at all. They're actually significantly worse. And then I get the call and I somehow have to show up with my magic fucking fairy dust and erase drama from someone else who technically is my equal in the dog training industry.
1: Right. Right. No. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that is, that is, that is the sad part of it because you, you, a lot of times we are cleaning up the mess that was made and, and it's, it's emotionally exhausting because you're listening and you're empathizing with these these guardians who were thought that they were doing you know what they needed to do and i and I also think when we talk about guardians and why like having the need for training and all this stuff, I also think we talk we need to talk about societal expectations then of dogs because you know it's it is. You know, you have not only the bigger media promoting these, like, aversive trainers, but you also have, like your friends and family giving these little, you know, tidbits of advice or your your new dog that you just adopted and you're so excited to introduce this dog to some of your good friends and you have them over and the dog jumps on them because the dog is excited and happy to see them and greet them and the person knees them in the chest and says, you need to not let your dog do this. Your dog is a bad dog you know, and then what happens is this, you know, this pressure or this like needing to um, conform to what these people who really don't have any knowledge. And, and I will say (laughs) dogs are such a tricky subject with people because everyone thinks they know about dogs and most people don't, <laughs> and it's just, it's, and I, and it's, it's, you don't see
0: that in a lot of other industries, right? Um, where like your dent, like you think you know a lot, like your dentist would know, right? Like, no, of course, right? You don't. right. That's why you go to a fucking dentist. I have right? teeth,
1: so I'm a dentist, so I can, I can tell you what to do with your teeth, yeah. No, it's just, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, and you know to to go even bigger like i really i mean i think well i'm getting ahead of myself but when we're talking about if your dog is showing fear or anxiety or backing away from something or whatever all of this stuff And the answer is to, from a, you know, quote unquote professional trainer is to stick a prong or a shock collar on them or, or just exert your dominance or whatever the heck. Um, you know, what you're really doing is just shutting down the communication. So you're just taking away your dog's voice, you know, and, and that, you know, that's suppressing the emotions and that, that. Is not going to help long term, you know, and there's a much diff, there's a huge difference between a calm, contented dog and a dog who is shut down for fear of falling out of line or else they are going to get physically punished or yelled at. Even, I mean, I'm working with, I mean, even Gigi, my little foster dog. I have to be careful. And I, I'm a very, um, you know, when I talk to dogs, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm a little bit nuts about it. And even dogs I have all to be good careful, dog traders are <laughs> right. And like, you know, and I'll also talk to them and just like, they're another person in the room too. But if I get like, you know, one of these, um, Oh my God, you're so cute. Like ah, I can't take it. Um, you know, I am having to really think about how loud I am, like, with Gigi, because even she is showing signs of being yelled at, being forced into things. And, you know, dogs, I mean, not all dogs, because they're all individuals, but um, they're sensitive to this kind of stuff, just like humans are sensitive. Like, I don't want to have somebody, are you kidding me, yelling at me all the time to for simple things. It just... It doesn't make sense. And we really should be looking to be our dog's safe space. And there's just, especially if they're having trouble, if they're having a hard time, you know, it's how can I support you? Is the sort of like, number one, get curious. Like why? Because the why is, you know, the why is sort of the key to figuring out the how do we make progress in this. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a huge lack of skill of the people who are saying, let's just, you know, just punish
0: it out of them. Just, just punish it, you know? Right. The dog has to learn. You have to be able to control them, right? Like there's so many narratives. There's so many narratives to keep power instead of asking really actually relevant questions, right? So I want to touch on something that I think for all of you that are listening that are just beautiful dog guardians, and you're just kind of curious about the dog training industry, right? You're like, this is kind of crazy. I want to empower you that you still have a knowing of your dog. You still have a knowing of your dog. You still have an existing relationship with your dog that I think that a lot of my clients who, who unfortunately met really bad trainers and it didn't go well, they always kind of felt that twinge, right? Like, this doesn't really feel right, though. Like, this actually feels kind of cruel. And I just want to empower all of you who are listening who are just beautiful dog guardians that, like, you have to trust that. Because if it feels unkind and it feels cruel, it is, it is in this state, in this day and age in the dog training industry, it is right. So, you know, I think that there is a certain knowing that only you can have about your dog. Do you need a professional to guide you? Yes, you do. In a lot of cases you do, but there is still this knowing that I think that the, the other side of the dog training industry, right? The, the old school dog trainers, Mm -hmm. they want to disregard that, right? They want to come in with their knowledge. They know better than you. They know X, Y, or Z. And I think the difference is that when Michelle shows up to to work with you, or when I show up to work with you, you know what we're going to do? We're going to ask you a lot of questions about your dog's behavior. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to default to the information you give us about your dog's behavior, because that's the most relevant detail right? Those are the most relevant details, the history, what you know of the animal, how they behave under these certain conditions. It's not about, yes, I yes, we know a lot. Yes, we have a ton of experience. Yes, we're here to help you. But it's not a, I know more than you. It is a, I am here to help you. I'm here yes. to guide you. And you know I think that so many of my clients have regrets because they didn't say what they needed to say to the trainer right from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. if you're feeling that, listen to it Mm -hmm. and fire your trainer immediately, fire them immediately. (laughs) Right. And seek the help of a qualified trainer because so many of my clients are like so pleasantly surprised when they work with me. They're just like, oh my gosh. Right. Like, wow, this is like, oh, this is so approachable. This is so easy. Right. And, and then, you know, then we can get the ball rolling yeah always trust your
1: gut always if you're if your gut is sort of going eh, ask questions, ask questions because you in their answer in the way that they answer and in their answer, you will get your answer, so I think it's really important to um always trust that gut and I think just because someone is presenting themselves as an authority on, you know, dogs and dog behavior, because the industry is unregulated, you can't just trust that at face value. You really, really um, have to dive in and do some research and hire a force-free trainer and they can give you better resources. I mean... I have with my clients, every time I, I, I uh the very first meeting of a new client, I give them a list of resources and I go, do not use Google. <laughs> These are resources that you can go to and search for something if you have a question in the middle of the night or whatever. So um yeah, it, there's just so much misinformation out there and just, just trust your gut. Yeah. If it seems cruel,
0: it is. (laughs) Right. Right. It is. And walk away from it. Okay. So Michelle, I want to look forward here. Okay. So I feel like, so I've been at this for 11 years and I feel like over the last decade, there have, there have been really positive changes in the industry, really in the way of mostly women doubling down, committing to their continued education, staying certified right? Staying vocal about humane training methods. Like what do you see for the future of our industry? Oh, that's a big
1: question. Um, I, well, what I would like to see is thinking about dogs as a whole, thinking about the whole picture of dogs, about you know, their history, their genetics, um, the environment that they're in, what's, you know, what's their day to day, like all of this stuff, physically, how are they taking the whole dog into account and, and talking a lot more about emotions, honestly, because I think that, I mean, I think there's even a subset of, you know, um, of force free trainers that haven't gotten there yet. You know, I think that I would love to see us talking more about nervous system regulation and, 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 you know, safe attachments and stuff like that. That's, that's what I'm interested in. And I, I would just love to think about dogs as more than just (laughs) Um, A thing that's following a cue or a command and really thinking about maybe instead of like, you know, thinking of it as training more of like, how, how do we live with the animal companions we brought into our home in the best way possible? for everyone to thrive every species to thrive how do we find a way to make that happen um and so yeah I don't know if that really answers the question I mean obviously I want regulation um but I also think that even more important I would say at this point is like I want to educate the public I want I want this is a huge passion of mine that I am brainstorming, um, brainstorming ways of how to do that. Uh, One idea um, that I had, right, is, is, you know, I have this, I have a experience with uh, production and video and TV. And I'm like, what if we you know, what if we did a docu series, sort of, like, exposing all of it? Because, like, every single corner of the dog industry, there's th- there are things that sort of need to be brought to light. And with the sheer st- statistics of people who live with dogs or, you know, any companion animal, I think they would be very curious to see this kind of stuff. So... You know, that that's kind of been my latest idea of like, well, if a TV show started the misinformation, maybe something else, another something streaming can can sort of get in there and get people um, a little bit more educated.
0: So, yeah, that's kind of oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> I, I love your insights on this. I really do. You know, and I think that I, I absolutely agree. Right. Like one, there has to be formal regulation. There has to be oversight. There has to be. Right. If not, there is way too much at stake for animals. Right. Wait. Um there absolutely has to be some sort of regulation, right? Like some sort of at least governing body. And everyone, I think it's important to note that we are both promoting regulation that is going to make running our businesses more challenging and more expensive. Okay. So like that's going to come at a personal cost to us to be regulated, but that's how important it is. (laughs) <laughs> right? Like that's how important it is for the ind- industry to see some sort of regulation. And Michelle, we need, you need to make a documentary. Okay. Like how can we crowdsource this? Like, and yeah. this is something that I yeah. I daydream about a lot, right? Like we could yeah. do like an episode where we, we focus on one trainer and one specific place. And then the next episode is another trainer, another specific place to get all these perspectives, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I would love to get a, you know, uh, some kind of brainstorm going with other professionals because I think, uh, I think there's, there's something there for sure. And it's, it's regulation needs to happen. Here's, here's another thing that I don't think we said that I think is really important to say dogs are dying (laughs) because of abusive training methods. And you know, like it. So I was just reading the um, the proposed legislation for for uh, regulating, and they have um, they have so many examples on their website about like this dog was um, essentially hanged in a board and train facility. A puppy died. Um, another, you know, another facility. And the other thing is like. We're not just talking about one-on-one trainers that come to your house. We're talking about people dropping thousands of dollars on to drop their dog off at a facility where they're housed and, you know, supposedly fed and all of this stuff. Well, there have been many instances where dogs have gone missing from these facilities where, you know someone showed up and the dogs were, this is all on that website too, the dogs were in a terrible condition, um, malnourished, um, you know, in tiny crates. And so, and these, these are facilities that have fancy websites and have a tricky marketing language that is another thing to watch out for, you know? And so, I think it's really, really important to look at the red flags. And a lot of them are, um, quick fixes, um, arbitrary stuff. Like every dog needs to know this, every dog, this, every dog that this is what dogs do, you know, talking about dogs as if, you know, there's no very, you know, variance in any, any of them. So there are a lot of red flags. Um, But they can be, they can still be really clever in their marketing. And they have started to co-opt positive reinforcement language. And so your listeners should know that, you know, it's, it's really is, and this is sad. This is the sad state of the industry, but you really have to like, you have to, it needs to be clearly stated on their website or on their social media I am force-free, I am for welfare, I'm choice-based, uh, whatever it is, choice-based, ethical, <laughs> look for those words. And also another thing, look fo- look at the dog's body language on their page, photos of their dogs, you know, the body language. Do they look, you know, loose and happy? Do they look scared or nervous? <laughs> um, so yeah, there are lots of things to take into consideration when even thinking about hiring someone
0: yeah and I think too it's like we societal expectations right and like molds that we feel like dogs have to fit in that is still a huge contributing factor for like this the old school model of dog training that just won't die right like it's because we we live in an instant gratification society who's obsessed with punishment right so of course dog training old school dog training Fall super easily into that mold for us, right? Like, oh, okay, this is this, okay, this seems easy. All right, well, you just use this remote and you just sh- shock them and tell them not to do it. And it doesn't really hurt that much. Okay, it's not that big of a deal, yeah. right? right? And, you know, I think that a, a documentary, a series, I think that that is the way forward, right? And we can get more momentum and we can get more people understanding because none of my clients want to use prong collars or e-collars or choke chains. They don't want to use them. They want me to help them modify behavior and get them to the result. And when I tell them, oh, we can accomplish those things without them. They're like, okay, cool. Easy. Right. So like, I think once more of the world at large can understand that modifying behavior and Training and living with dogs doesn't have to be a power struggle. We can get to good oh God, outcomes. Yeah. We can get to really good outcomes. We can get to really happy, enjoyable lives. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that it will be hard once we get that momentum, but for whatever reason, I just feel like we keep hitting this wall of like instant gratification and punishment obsession, right? Like that's just the culture is still there. I think it's shifting, especially like in raising humans. Think dog yeah. for that but we have a yeah. long way to go when it comes to training dogs we
1: really do and you know there's there's a lot of overlap and you know that what they're calling gentle parenting and you know force-free dog training there's so much overlap and um and it makes sense you know because uh the neuroscience you know says the dogs are like you know two to three-year-old toddlers so you know what what think about that like would you do this to a three-year-old toddler I mean and the other thing um with the yeah the societal expectations going back to that I mean something that I witness generally at least two or three times a week and I've witnessed it unfortunately a lot lately twice today is this whole thing of like Dogs need to be walking right by your side and they can't go out in front of you. And again, it's this weird power struggle thing. And I just see people yanking them, yanking them, yanking them. And it's just, it's, it's not even understanding your dog's needs. You know, it's not even understanding. I mean, it's the people who are doing it are probably, Have probably been told this is what your this is the position your dog needs to be in so he knows you're the boss or whatever they're saying to them, you know, and so they're doing it and they're doing it and they're not they're not understanding. And of course, when the dog wants to, you know, go and sniff their surroundings and meet their needs and all that stuff, they're getting more agitated and more aggravated because. It's not happening, of course, because the dog is like, this is not natural. I'm not a robot. (laughs) And, you know, and it's just heartbreaking to see this happening all the time. And, you know, I can't fault the people, you know, because it's, you know, at some point, I think... Someone may have told them that that needs to happen or
0: whatever. That's the impression they got from society, right? right. Like that's the impression right. they got. It's this like is what a well-trained be... dog looks yeah. like. Like, no, that's not ridiculous, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and it's, it's human-centered, right? It's, I want the dog to do this so people think X, Y, or Z. About exactly. Me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not about the animal. It's, it's not no. about them. It's about well, no, we it's what we can make them do and think. what that says about us. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And that that's a
1: huge part of it too. Is is that something that I personally learned with my guy banjo? Is that like I real quick had to <laughs> had to learn how to not give a shit what people thought and how to speak up and advocate because you know I mean people will will erode boundaries pretty quickly and so you've got to really speak up and say my dog isn't comfortable with that or whatever all that kind of stuff but he taught me to not give a shit what other people think and to walk just walk you know with a sort of permanent don't talk to me face um but also you know what he doesn't want to be petted so, so what? He doesn't want to be petted by strangers. And you know, and it in, in something I experienced with that is um I had I had um I had troubles with my own family with friends because again, it's this not accepting not every dog wants to be petted or cuddled or whatever. And you know, and these are just things that you take into consideration. What is when you think about the dog's needs and understanding how the dog's feeling, which is something that backyard trainers don't really do, you know, it's, it's, we're going to do whatever we need to do to get a result, you know, and that it it just, yeah. At, at worst, it traumatizes the dog. At best, the dog can shake it off and like still live a good life. But like, either way, you're taking a huge risk in
0: doing employing a these completely unnecessary dogs. risk yeah. An
1: with unnecessary. another
0: living, living, breathing creature. Right? 100%. Oh my god! Okay. Want- yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. okay. So yeah. everyone, I want you all to know that I'm going to have Michelle back on the podcast because I feel <laughs> like we have a lot more that we can talk about together. But yes, for you're... the sake of today's podcast episode, um, I hope everyone listening, I hope this gave you some good insight into what it is happening in the dog training industry, why we're constantly fighting for humane training methods. Um, And I hope that it offered some insights, right, into why you continue to choose to train force-free. We can only hope that's how you're choosing to train. Okay, so Michelle, tell everyone your final thoughts on changing the status quo of dog training.
1: Ugh! Final thoughts. I mean, be, be loud about being force-free and being, um, and, and having this bonded, safe relationship with your dog. I mean, uh, be proud of it because it's, it's, it's really, um, you know, it reflects, it reflects us that we are patient and kind and we want to create this you know, we want our dogs to have good welfare and we want them to feel good and have fun and create a life where they thrive. And so, and we yeah. want that for
0: the guardians too. You can and have the both, both, right, species, simultaneously. Both,
1: yes. both species. We want, we want y'all to thrive and, you know, and yeah, just, um, tell your friends, tell your <laughs> friends, you know, tell hey, everyone, you know hey actually you know what just yeah help uh, help help us spread you know actual dog knowledge and sort of you know x out this these old narratives and this
0: misinformation
1: because we do need your help we need your help with this
0: yeah absolutely the more voices the more people we can reach and the more animals benefit and guardians benefit okay so michelle tell I- everyone how they can connect with you. They want to work with you. Should they go to your website? Should they follow you on Instagram? Tell them everything. Um,
1: go to my website, uh, thepaidpup.com and uh, also follow me on Instagram. I share a lot of stuff there and uh, mostly writing type stuff. I've got uh real slow with the reels, pretty slow with the reels, but um, yeah. So, and that's just at the paid pup.
0: Um, yeah. Awesome. We'll link both of those up in the show notes so everyone can find you. And then everyone, if you're in Seattle, so is Michelle. So you should do yourself a favor and reach out to her. Michelle, thank you so much for spending your evening with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. It was so much fun.
0: Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show.